It's February, and here in DSO Connect world, that means the DSO Connect member vault is open for new members. Join us in this connected community to unleash your greatness as a studio owner. In the member vault, you'll get all the tools that you need to build a successful business. Each month, we give you actionable content to help you run your business effectively and efficiently so you can live a balanced life. What's that? A balanced life? Going home at a reasonable hour? Actually eating three square meals? Amazing. Monthly membership includes video masterclass on a monthly topic, workbooks and templates to help you run your studio seamlessly, a task calendar so you know exactly what you need to be working on each month, done for you social media graphics so you can just add your own logo and schedule the whole month's posts, monthly calls with personal question and answer sessions with the DSO Connect team, and so much more. You get all of this for just $27 a month. That is an incredible value. To learn more and to sign up, head on over to dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on the membership tab. But don't wait too long, y'all. The member vault doors are only open for the rest of this month. So join today. We can't wait to dive in with you. Welcome to the DSO Connect Podcast. I'm Casey. I'm Robin. How's it going, Robin? What's happening? Oh, Florida is sunny and beautiful, and it's going to be in the 80s this week. I've been trying not to post too much about it on social media because I really don't want to gloat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we don't have any of that here. I'm looking out the window. It's like soggy and gray and cold and gross it's yeah the dogs didn't even want to go out this morning they're like nah i'm good <laughs> well we drove through richmond and i mean on it on 95 we drove mm -hmm. through, and at that moment i texted casey i'm like hey we're driving through richmond and she sent me a a meme or a, a gif or whatever of uh forrest gump waving <laughs> forrest gump waving <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, that was great. But yeah, it wasn't warm and sunny when we were in that moment. It was, mm -mm. Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, it's it, and you know what? It's not just the warmth; it's the blue skies and the green. yeah. Um, I think seasonal affective disorder, or whatever they call it, is a real thing. Oh, and yeah. um, I think as we get older, for some people, it gets more intense. So mm -hmm. I, my spirits are definitely lighter. And hopefully by the time I head back north, we'll be entering spring and I'll be able to stay on my high and uh, not dip down. <laughs> <laughs> and how's your studio doing without you there? Um, I think it's going well. Um, today we're trying to decide whether to close for snow or not. Um, and I said, y'all are going to have to make that decision on your own. Uh, but the most important thing that's happening right now, I would say, is my son's specifically my oldest, Nick, are really stepping up and showing an interest in taking a role at the studio in the long term. You know, we brought Nick on. He's, he's 24. We brought, he might be 23. Um, he's <laughs> honest. Once you're over 21, it all blends together, right? Um, he came on board uh, this time last year and helped with a lot of the audiovisual stuff. And, you know, he needed a job and I needed help with the technology. And now here we are almost a year later. And he expressed to me that he's interested in taking kind of a more permanent position at the studio. Wow. So that was gratifying. And um, also a little scary because you want to make sure that, you know, 
he has the same, there's the same standard of expectation that would be with someone that's not my son. So I wrote him a very long four page description of his responsibilities. And I, I signed it Robin, not mom. <laughs> it was basically like, this is the proposal and you will have to be accountable for yourself and this and that. And um, I think he's really interested in stepping it up and um, handling things while my husband and I are down here, which is great. That's awesome. Wow. It's amazing how becoming a parent changes your whole perspective and yep. a new layer of seriousness to things, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Not that I would know, but I'm sure it does. <laughs> How are things in your world? Oh, pretty good. We have a new foster dog and she's a total nut job, but um, we're thinking about keeping her. <gasps> I knew it. She's blind. <laughs> she's, no, she's deaf. The cat is blind. The dog is deaf. Yeah. So we're training her with hand signals and all kinds of stuff. And yeah, she's a real sweetie though. That's gratifying. Yeah. That's really fill your heart up. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, Miss Robin, who do we have with us today? Well, I'm excited to introduce you guys to Hillary. Hillary is in our community and I met Hillary at one of Austin's events and um, I also got to meet her husband, who is a lovely person. And I just remember um, Austin had a wonderful event at a like cabin in Kansas City in the side of a mountain. And it was lovely food and ambiance and drinking wine and lots of good content and everything. And but lots of time to like sit on sofas and just get to know other studio owners. And Hillary's husband was fascinated about learning about my middle son, Alex, who's a homesteader. And um, so we got to talk a lot about that. And I, in turn, became fascinated with Hillary and her family. Um, they're just beautiful people. And um, Hillary is killing it in her dance studio. She's got lots of things going on. And um, we'll just let Hillary kind of talk for herself. But here's Hillary. Yes, thank you. You are so sweet. It was fun to sit and chat and have my husband come along. He does love all things homesteading. We don't do a lot of it right now, but he does love it. So um, it was fun to meet you there. Yeah, so I, um, a little bit about me, I kind of, the normal story grew up um, dancing and teaching. And I will say, I actually never wanted to be a studio owner. <laughs> if my parents asked me when I was young, you know, you should own a studio when you're older, you'd be so good at, I always told them no. Because um, it definitely was not my cup of tea. I saw too many studio owners who were basically not teaching anymore. They weren't doing what they loved. They were stressed out all the time. And I didn't want that. I wanted to teach and I wanted to do the part that I really liked. Um, fast forward through college and teaching after college. And I, I started teaching with a lady who did it on a much smaller scale. And I realized, oh, okay, you know, I could do this just like a couple, you know, 200 people in, you know, that's like in my basement or, you know, I say smaller scale, like 200 people in your basement is small, but you know, it's, <laughs> I was just going to say 200. That's like it is what it some is. people's dream number. <laughs> I know. Um, and, and so 
anyway, taught for her, started partnering with her, and then she moved out of state and I decided to go for it and start my own and took over some of her clientele and the rest is history. Basically we, you know, have expanded almost every year we've had to build a new studio or we've purchased a new studio or we expanded locations or, and it's been fun. We're ready to have a little bit more stability in where we're at and stuff, but it's been a roller coaster and I love it. So did you study dance in college? So the college that I went to did not offer dance as an option as a to to master in or to, I guess, even get your bachelor's in, but they did have college teams. So I was part of the contemporary company and the traveling institute um, company as well. And then I actually ended up being the like assistant director for the contemporary company for my last year or two up there. Um, so kind of. So what, was, what were you studying? I actually was studying early childhood education. Brilliant. So yeah, so I did a lot. My second love, if you will, was kids, preschool. I worked in daycares. I was um, ultimately got my certification to be like the owner director of daycares nationwide on the side from teaching and owning my other studio. So that wow. was kind of always my second love, um, which I feel like translates well oh, in classroom sure. management with those little guys. Oh my God, definitely. Yeah. Um, Hillary, remind me where you're located. I'm in Utah. Yep. Where and how many, many, how long have you had your studio? I've been, I've had my own for about seven and a half years. Okay. And two years ago, I um, expanded and took over another studio owner's studio and commercial location and then rebranded everything. So now I have my two locations out here. Yep. Wow. So you, how, and you've got lots of little children. Yes. I have, they all just had birthdays. I have a three-year-old, a six-year-old and an eight-year-old and yep. Three little girls. And they're just used to following me around everywhere at the studio. (laughs) They dance at your studio? They do. Yes. They have all been in classes since they were like 18 months old. My oldest, my eight year old, this is her second year on our competitive team. Um, and the others do musical theater and acro and dance and everything under the sun. And they love it. So you, do they go to school during the day? Uh-huh. Yep. Our school with COVID has been kind of a weird mix this year. They go to a charter school. So what the charter school has been doing is they're only in school Monday through Thursday from eight to 11. So they've only been going super short days, um, which We've actually kind of enjoyed this year. It's made it so that they can do more extracurriculars because Mm. they're not in school the whole entire day Mm. and then feel like they have no time to be kids with all of their other classes. So they're supposed to go back more full time starting the middle of March. And I'm kind of bummed about it, which (laughs) I didn't think I would be. (laughs) Well, you'll get, you'll have more time to run your business, businesses. Yes. Yep. My husband, a turn of events, basically quit his job to pursue a different avenue right when COVID hit. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, wow. Which, so obviously that didn't happen. So he's actually kind of transitioned and just been full stay at home dad this year. And That's awesome. it's been a transition. He's ready, I think, to get back into some other stuff. But it's been a lifesaver so that I can work more, more full time on all the studio stuff has been good. That's great. That's great. I can really relate to that because when my kids were little, my husband decided he didn't want to work in the nuclear plants anymore. And um, he became a uh, full-time dad and mm -hmm. also a part-time full-time dad and part-time full-time <laughs> construction worker at my studio. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, yep. I tell you what, having a, a partner that is willing to do that is key um, to our success as, as business owners, because, and in, in order to juggle, you know, have a nice balance between family and mm -hmm. so kudos to the husbands who step it up and give baths and, and make dinners and do laundry. Absolutely. There is no way, especially this year that we could have even survived yes. without that. It has been yeah. a transition and a lifesaver for sure. Yep. So I am super excited to talk or learn for myself more about your um, latest endeavor, which is adding a preschool program to your studio. And now that you said you majored in early childhood education, it all kind of makes sense. Um, but can you talk to us about what made you um, come arrive at this decision and how difficult was it with all the um, licensing and well, just start, tell us the story. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I kind of told you before, preschool and childcare has always been my second love, I guess you could say. Um, and so it's kind of been in the back of my mind and the back burner for several years, but I wasn't ready to do it until I knew I could do it really, really well, because I have a very high standard for preschool. And um, it's not childcare. It's not, you know, the preschool that I'm offering is not daycare. It is a very academic preschool. And so I kind of was waiting until I had the perfect teachers, especially. Um, and I lucked out and I have some dance moms and I have some of my teachers, moms, some of my, my dance teachers, moms who have all been teaching um, preschool at very esteemed places for the last 15 to 20 years. And I had a couple of them basically come to me and say, Hey, I know you've been throwing this idea around. I'm ready to stop doing what I'm doing at these other places and come work for you instead. And, um, and so it kind of aligned that I had the perfect people and we just just moved to a new, a brand new, bigger building. And, um, and it's a really good substitute for income. And for, um, sp if you have extra space, it's a really good filler for those daytime, you know, daytime spaces. So logistically speaking, are they, is the preschool in the same room as a dance studio and you've got to kind of convert it every day? Yes. Yep. For me, um, financially, it didn't make sense to have a totally separate building or room. So basically how we have it set up, this is a academic and movement preschool. So they are coming two to three days a week. The kids are for three hours and they're doing two hours of academics and one hour of movement. Um, and we're rotating. We have dance, tumbling and karate that they're learning all in one week. Um, 
And so how we have it set up is we have basically everything is portable. We have a couple big preschool cabinets and everything gets put away in the cabinets and taken back out again. So we set up the chairs and the tables and all of our cute posters and rugs and for the day. And we do a morning session and an afternoon session and then put it all away before our dance classes start. And they do preschool in one room and then they go into the other room to be able to do their movement portion with a totally different movement teacher that I have come in. Wow. And so the karate piece really appeals to the boys. So it doesn't appear in your marketing to be like, oh, this is for girls, because sadly, that's how people think sometimes about dance. Um, yep. That's great. Yeah, that's great. I lucked out and I have my movement teacher specializes in all three of those. She actually teaches karate at a totally separate place and teaches dance for me. And so that was huge in appealing to those boys. We actually have um, more boys than we have girls enrolled right now. And, and it is, it's really fun. That's great. Rewind a second to finding the te or having the teachers kind of all the stars coming into alignment. Do you think that because of COVID, um, those teachers found themselves in a position where they wanted to leave their current jobs and, you know, maybe, um, maybe COVID kind of made them rethink where they were and, and, and push them to look for something different. I think it was some of both. I had one who's been running her own preschool for the last 16 years and is just ready to not have to do all the management stuff and just wants to teach. Mm -hmm. And so she basically, I think hers has kind of started to simmer down and she, this was the right time. Mm -hmm. So, so I have her and then one of them has been basically used to have her own solid classroom at one of these really esteemed preschools and has been more substituting the last couple years. They've been begging her to come back full time and she just doesn't like the environment as much as she does my studio. And so that, that was the indicator for her that she, if, if she wanted to come back full time, she'd rather come back with the environment that I have. Um, and then the other was kind of similar. She's been doing full time at a different preschool and just her daughter dances with me and she likes the environment. So are you, are your, um, new, are the preschool students new to you as customers? Are you attracting new people? And are they then filtering into your evening dance program? Is there a crossover? Is it, well, how's that dynamic? Kind of some of both. So it's a pretty new program. We just started a couple months ago, um, but we have some of both. Most of the kids are brand new. Most of them are brand new. Um, I do have a couple who were taking dance classes and who have said, oh, wait, I can do all of the above wrapped in one and I don't have to come to three different locations. And, you know, and so they've switched to doing just the preschool. And then I have a couple kids who are still doing both. They switched to the preschool and they are still doing their evening dance classes as well, just because they like it. They enjoy it. They like the difference in the two different teachers. And so all of the above. So I'm sure you've thought of this already, but in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, so your preschool goes up to what, age four? Yep. Till kindergarten. So five. Mm -hmm. Right. So in my mind, I'm thinking at around that age where they're going to age out of your preschool, you're probably marketing them 
pretty heavily to see what we have in the evening because we don't yep. want you to just leave us, but we want you to now kind of graduate to our, you know, dance studio program or something like that. Yeah, so correct. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. And some of my movement teachers are the same teachers that teach my dance classes in the evening. And so, hey, Miss Autumn is still going to be your teacher next year when you're doing our level one, you know, mm -hmm. ballet jazz class. And so it works out perfect. They transition well um, and vice versa. I've had some older kids who currently dance with me who are realizing, oh, wait, I have a little brother, little sister who's in preschool that can come in and start in preschool as well. Great. So what yep. type of licensing and rigmarole with the, with the, with the government did you have? The cities do? and stuff. Um, luckily, preschool is much less intensive for licensing than daycare or childcare. And so that's part of the reason that I have said I will never run like a full childcare, even though I'm licensed to. Mm -hmm. um, because since you don't have kids who are staying the whole day, you're not doing nap time, you're not doing meals, we do a small snack, but we're not doing full meals. And we don't have anybody in the preschool who's under the age of three, which tends to be the cutoff of when the licensing gets really crazy. Mm. Um, it's not that bad. It's not much different than offering little kid dance classes, you know? So we have, we have our safety inspections. We have our fire inspections. You know, you got to make sure you have plugs on all your outlets and there's nothing that's going to be a hazard and obviously something you know that most of us are doing already anyway you know having all of our teachers get background checked and that kind of thing um it's not it's not much different for the academic preschool wow yep and so are you um did you do are, are you pricing it similarly to a daycare scenario per hour or is it kind of more exclusive and more educational so you can price, do you price it higher? How does that work? It's priced much higher. So um, my pricing um, is monthly. So they're on my auto pay, they pay monthly just like they would if they're enrolled in a normal dance class. They pick if they're doing two or three days a week and, um, and then it's three hours and it essentially works out to be much, much higher because they're getting the full amount of education. So like most of my kids, by the time they're done with our four-year-old class, are they know they're learning, they already are know how to read, they're moving, they're ready to move on to kindergarten. And so versus just coming and playing and, you know, so they're doing full workbooks, they're learning how to read, they're doing all of that academically. Is it but three then, hours per day, three times a week? Yep. Mm -hmm. um, so do you have it set up as two separate businesses or is it just part of your dance studio business? It's under the same legal entity and just working as a DBA, gotcha. but it is set up as a totally separate DBA. So I'm okay. advertising for it totally separately. It has a totally separate website and signage and everything like that. They're both connected on the website. So you can go to my dance website and it has a, oh, are you interested in academic preschool? Click here and it will take you to my other website. Yeah. And we're, you know, and we're constantly advertising for both in my newsletters and everything. 
but it is set up so that if somebody were to just Google search preschools near me, it would pop up as its own learning in motion preschool, totally separate. Wow. That's very cool. Um, Let us take a quick break right here and we will be right back with Miss Hillary. Listen up, y'all. We've got dates and a location for the 2021 DSO Connect Retreat. We've booked an amazing house in beautiful Cape Coral, Florida for July 23rd through 25th of 2021. We're going to have a virtual option as well for folks who aren't super comfy with traveling just yet. So whether you're joining us in Florida or joining us from your living room, mark your calendars. Again, it's July 23rd through 25th. We've got some great things in the works for this year's retreat, and we're going to be releasing more information soon, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, you can grab a replay of our 2020 retreat. The virtual retreat includes amazing business content, including studio reset, marketing and social media, developing your inner leader, building community, and getting the most out of online platforms Kajabi and Trello. Plus, there's great teacher training content that you can share with your staff, like honing your teacher's eye for ballet, building your tap curriculum, jazz fundamentals, contemporary and improv for the young dancer, building a solid structure for hip hop, and so much more. Catch up on all the amazing, juicy content from our 2020 retreat for just $197. Go to dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on the Retreat Replay tab to grab yours today. And don't forget, mark your calendars for July 23rd through 25th for this year's DSO Connect Retreat in Cape Coral, Florida. See you there. All right, we are back with Hillary Howard talking about her her academic and movement-based preschool program at her studio in Utah. So Hillary, tell us about your curriculum development for the academic portion of your preschool and how you created that or where, if you didn't create it yourself, how where you found it. I'm pretty particular with my academics when it comes to preschool. I think there's a really perfect balance of creativity and mixed with the knowledge that they need to have to be prepared for kindergarten. And, um, and the teachers that I chose align perfectly with that. So we actually sat down um, and spent many, many hours and created our own curriculum. So we went through exactly what at the end of the year do we expect each class to have learned And then let's move backwards and each month and each week, what does that mean they're learning to be able to get to that goal at the end? Um, So we sat down, we created it all. We created specialized workbooks that they do every single day um, so that that way, yeah, by the end, there's a clear visual of what they've improved on and, and to make sure that they'll be ready to move forward and have success in school afterwards. So you actually created the workbooks and had them printed. Are they like bound or are they, wow, that's fancy. How did you do that? Yeah, we basically went through and each week they do, you know, uh, we have assigned a letter and a number and a color and a shape. Um, And so we have each of those 
pages in their workbook for each week and then make, put together the whole, we did half year at a time or else the workbooks get real big. <laughs> so, so we put together half and it has, you know, a front page that's laminated and a back page that's laminated that has their name practice on the back. So on the back on their laminated page, they practice how to spell their name every single day. And, um, and then one of my teachers has a binding machine. So we're able to do it ourselves. So we get everything copied, we bind them all together, they have their own little cubbies and their own little bags of pencils and crayons and, you know, all of their supplies, so they can pull them out and work on them each day. Um, and then we also do assessments, we do assessments at the beginning of the year in the middle of the year and the end of the year. So that parents can clearly see where they're at, what they need to work on, and all of that as well. Are the assessments in karate and dance as well, or just academics? Just academics. For the movement portion, we do we offer them the same opportunities as my full recreational dancers. So they can opt in if they would like to perform in the recitals. I was going to ask about that. Yep. So it's not required but they can opt in if they would like to. Most of them do because that's the opportunity for them to see their little dancer on the stage and wearing their pretty costume and everything. Um, How does that work? Do they come to, do they learn the same dance as in other classes and then they show up for rehearsal together? Or how do you? Because they have a full movement class, it is basically the exact same class that they would be getting if they were in one of my afternoon recreational classes. Same teacher, same layout, they're learning their ballet, they're learning their jazz, they're learning their dance, same exact thing. And then in the recital, they'll have their own costume and they'll have their own class performance. So there may be one or two that are just not in the show. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. That's great. That's great. So with the... Um, differences between daycare and preschool and I know that every state and possibly every county might be different but when it comes to like um, closings for COVID or something like that do you follow are you required to follow what a daycare would have to follow or are you is this considered a private business like how, how does all of that work where you are it's kind of a gray area because it's technically a private business. Um, for me, I am basically following what the school districts are doing. But mm -hmm. that's what I'm doing for dance as well. Mm -hmm. So my all ev all of the things that we're following for dance and the preschool are in line with the school districts so that it's the same expectations for parents and kids and they know they know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you find that that takes a lot of um, back and forth questions off the table because you're like, oh, that's what that's what the schools are doing? <laughs> As absolutely, yes, absolutely. I feel like it definitely is the easiest way to take it all off the table and to take parents' concerns because you never know. Pe people are all over the place with how they feel right now <laughs> about yeah. you know everywhere but I feel like especially here with how they feel on the scale of caution or not with COVID and so having a standardized thing to basically just say hey we're following exactly what the school district is doing if they close we close if they're open we're open and um, here's what they're doing with masks you know sanitizing we're we're right in line 
Got it. Sorry, I didn't mean to divert from the curriculum, Casey. We can circle back. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, so can you give us a little taste about what the curriculum looks like? Like, are, do you have it split up by, by age? Is it the same for everybody who's enrolled and then they just progress at a different rate? Um, what does it look like more specifically? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so basically they have the same weekly um, numbers, letters, shapes that they're assigned, but it's split up their workbooks and how they may be learning it are going to be more difficult for the four-year-olds than the three-year-olds. So we do have it split up by age um, and their workbooks are going to look different. The three-year-olds are working more on like recognition of, okay, what does this look like? What is it, you know, versus the four-year-olds are going to be working on a lot more of what sound does it make and how does it go into a word? So that kind of progression um, and their assessments are going to look different as well versus, you know, they're going to be expected to be able to write a lot more when they're four than when they're three. And so it's just, it's basically just gets harder. Um, and then each month we also have a theme for the month. So it may be community helpers or it may be habitats or animals or, you know, we have different themes. So, so day to day, it may look like they arrive, they start working on independent play and get pulled aside to work on their workbooks with the teacher one-on-one. And then they may take a break and go to movement class while the teacher can set some other stuff up in the classroom, they'll come back, they'll do snack time, they'll do rug time where they learn the Pledge of Allegiance and they learn the songs that they're going to perform in their little graduation. And they talk about what day it is and what the weather's like and all of those things that we as adults know, but it's because we were taught. You don't think about, oh, I need to recognize that it's sunny outside and that means that it is warm or that it's you know and um and then they may work on their workbooks a little bit more and then we almost always do some type of creative craft or activity that goes along with the letter or the color or you know so they're working on c and they're painting with cars or that kind of thing that they can take home to show their parents as well that sounds like fun i want to come <laughs> It is so much fun. <laughs> it is I so want to come fun. hang out with your preschoolers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Casey, that's like your other calling. Is uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, when my kids were in preschool, it was a co-op. It wasn't, they didn't go to daycare. It was a, it was called a preschool and it was a co-op. And I liked it because um, there was always a parent that was the parent helper and you'd have to sign up like so many times a year. And it was the time of, of my life where I was um, really trying to catapult my business to another level. So there were times that sometimes I was like, Oh, it's my day to be at the preschool. I'm not going to get any work done today. And I would dread it. But then once I got there, I just was got really into it. And, and it was interesting because you, um, you get to see your own kid in their, their environment. Like, you know, that you know how your kid behaves for you, but you always want to kind of see like, I wonder what they're doing when, when I'm not around, or I wonder how they interact with their peers. Or I wonder how the teacher reacts, re, re, um, in, 
interacts with them. And um, it's just kind of neat. You're kind of a fly on the wall watching them live their little life and you're kind of able to, you know, be incorporated um, in it. And th that's kind of cool. So do you do a co-op situation or no, you just have, um, you just have, co-ops must even be hard right now with all the background checks. I don't know if they even exist anymore, would you think? Yeah, we don't do that right now. Basically, right now, I just have my hired teachers. Mm -hmm. um, we do offer parent, we have parent volunteers who will sign up mainly to do like take supplies home to like, hey, we need 50 circles cut out <laughs> for this craft that they're doing, you know, and they'll they can volunteer to take that kind of stuff home and work on it. Um, we don't have them coming into the classroom right now. But I totally feel you on that. My three-year-old is enrolled in our preschool right now. And it is so fun and also reminds me every day why I tell parents that it's better if you don't stay. Mm -hmm. Because she doesn't know how to do anything if she knows I'm in the building. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she, I have to hide from her <laughs> and, and stuff. And so I feel like it it's so nice to see them learn and grow. And we offer, I have, I, I have a lot of little guys in my dance program, both mornings and afternoons. And it's fun to be able to offer another opportunity for them to, to learn and grow in a more, what's the word? Fully encompassed experience. Mm, yeah. Right. That they, I see them once a week for 45 minutes if they're there for dance, you know, but this way I can really see all aspects of their life just skyrocket has mm -hmm. been really fun. That's awesome. So have you thought about um, what might happen if your teachers um, decided that they wanted to go and do their own thing um, outside of your, your business? Do, is your um, curriculum proprietary? Have you, um, do you have some sort of a agreement, written agreement set up with your teachers that say they would have to write a new curriculum or, or something like that if they left? And is it all systematized and outlined so that you could pass it to another teacher and say, go? Yep. Yep. We have, I, you know, have a non-compete clause that they've all signed and that includes the curriculum that we've made. Um, and then basically we have the whole, the whole entire year lined up of exactly what they're doing each week and even down to the day. Hey, this one Tuesday in February, they're working on this letter and this number and here's the craft that they're doing. And um, so it's very easy. You know, we have one teacher who's actually going to be out for surgery for a couple weeks and it's been a super smooth transition to be able to have somebody come in and substitute for her. Yeah. So is it, customary or how do other people do it, it kind of switching to the dance studio um, scenario if you have a teacher who helps write the curriculum are you are they are you compensating them for the curriculum or is that part of their job description and then if they leave I mean it seems this, this is uh, something that came up at my studio recently and it's kind of tricky. Mm. Like let's say I hire Casey and Casey comes in and she's got a lot of experience teaching young kids and she's fantastic at it. And she um, works for me for five years and that kind of becomes our curriculum and our way of doing things. And then Casey says, hey, I'm gonna open a studio 
studio up the road and I'm taking me, myself and I and all my awesomeness and my ideas with me. I can't say, Casey, you need to stop being awesome and teaching the way you've always taught before you came to me. But what about, where is the line between, okay, that's just who Casey is and that's her personality. And then here's written curriculum. And yep. how do you go, how do you navigate that? What, what What's the... I don't think there's any magic way. I think that's a huge fear that all of us studio owners have because it happens. It does happen. And you're right. You can't just say, stop being so good at what you do. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's why I hired you, but stop. Um, I think the things that we can do to prevent as much as we can from losing our own students is one, having a non-compete at least for an X amount of miles, right? So like you can go start your own thing, but it has to be X amount of miles away from me. And you're not allowed to contact any of my people to try and recruit them. And then I think the second thing is paying for the curriculum individually. So for example, I had a teacher this last year, write me a brand new ballet curriculum for my whole, from ages like three to 18, weekly, a super in-depth ballet curriculum. Um, Cause I loved her style and she was moving. And I said, look, I need this before you go so that I can give it to my teachers in the future. And I made it very clear that this was a curriculum specifically for my studio and I paid her for it. So I now own it, I bought it from her. Got it. And I. I think that is the best way to do it. Yeah. Um, Another way to do it is, is to consult with your staff, but you, like, so get their mm -hmm. input, but you're the one who's actually putting it all together and creating the larger curriculum and pay them for their time. You know, maybe it's an hourly rate for the hour long that you meet with them to discuss the curriculum Yep. So that they're compensated for that time, but you're the one putting it actually all together. And you're the one that actually writing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It very clear that you're being paid for your time, mm -hmm. for your idea. So don't come after me later saying that you want something different. Right. Correct. And exactly. then as time goes on, it becomes your branded curriculum that when new teachers come in, it's like, here it is, here are the videos, here's the manual, whatever it is. And it, you know, it can be tweaked, but mm -hmm. basically, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Yeah. So Hillary, what would you say, if anything, would be your superpower as a studio owner? What are you super good at? I think that's a hard question. <laughs> um, I would say I am really good at reading the room. So being able to see who is super happy with where they're at, who's struggling, who's having a hard, you know, and also reading parents and diffusing situations. Mm -hmm. I would say I'm, I'm really good when, you know, a parent calls in or emails or comes to talk to my office staff, super upset about something that I can, I'm, I'm really good at diffusing the situation and making them feel heard and valued and appreciated. But 
not just rolling over and giving them whatever they want. Um, one of my office staff explained it as she said, you kind of make it seem like it's their idea, even though it's not. <laughs> yes, that is the I'm way to do at, it. I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> so exactly what are the steps uh, what do the steps look like? Or does it depend on the situation? If a parent calls your front desk and says, I need to speak to Hillary right now, I am livid. Do they pull you out of the classroom? Do they give you a note at the end of the night? Do they say, call her at home? I'm sure she'd love to receive your call during dinner. <laughs> um, how, what are the exact steps or, or does it really depend on the situation? And what are the ideal steps that studio owners should maybe be putting in place to kind of put a little bit of a barrier between themselves and the drama? Um, I think ideally, and we're pretty good at this, I would say, and this is partially what helps, is my office staff is really great about, okay, tell me what your concern is. I'll reach out to Hillary and have her get back to you. That's step number one. Never just completely forward them on or have you come right in. That way they can call me or they can pull me out of class or whatever needs done and say, hey, so-and-so called. Here's what they're worried about. Here's what's going on. And I can have a second to sit and think about it. Or if I really need to, to like go back behind the building and have a fit about it so then I can pull myself together before I see the parent. You know, we all need that sometimes. <laughs> and um, and I would say then it's up to me to call them back. That's the other key. There's no, okay, here's her home phone number. None yeah. of that, right? And you know what? I find that the balance right there is how long do, do you wait before addressing it? Do you let you certainly you want the parent to cool off because if they're really hot headed, you don't really want to address it in that moment. You want them to cool down, but you also don't want to wait so, so long that they think they feel like they're being neglected or avoided. But also I like to get things done. Like, like, okay, now I have this feeling of unease that there's something not right in my world. I want to address it so that I can feel better so that we can all feel better and move on. So I guess it's kind of an intuitive thing. There's probably not a specific answer. Um, no, but I agree with you. There's a sweet spot of letting them cool off for a minute. Sometimes if it's a situation that I know, especially they just need validated, it can even help for me to say, for me to shoot them a quick text or something and just, Hey, I can't chat right now, but I heard about this. I totally understand how that can be completely frustrating. I'm sure we have a good solution. I'll call you in a few minutes, you know, or I'll call you in an hour. All of a sudden, Oh, she hears me and she feels that I'm frustrated. And she, and so then when I call them, they're much more reasonable, mm -hmm. you know? And I've also found that a lot of the time, they're going to be more harsh with my staff than me personally. They want to come off really hard at the beginning and then I call and they don't want to get on my bad side. And so all of a sudden they're just like, not always right. But all of a sudden they're much more pleasant, yeah. <laughs> you know, they want somebody to know they're really mad. Um, so I think, yes, finding the sweet spot. Then I would say, 
always validate first. Find something to validate. They may be completely off their rocker about what they're talking about, but find some little thing in there to validate, even if it's just, oh, I can see how that would be frustrating. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you're right. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying how you responded is right, but validate in some way helps exponentially. And then it also helps depending on the situation to tell them that you're going to take some time to think about it. Mm. Not, not always. Sometimes it's something that you can address right then, but if it's something that what they're asking for really is not going to happen. And you know, this from the beginning, if you tell them you're good, you know what, let me think about it for a day or two. Then when you get back to them and say, no, they at least think that you were really contemplating it, even if from the very beginning you knew the answer was going to be no. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. That's good. Can, can help as well. Yeah. Remember when we interviewed, I think I interviewed her by myself, Karen from our group. I love her. She's so wise. And she's been doing this for a long time. And she said that one of her favorite strategies when dealing with irate parents is especially if they send you one of those long emails that tells you how disappointed they are in you. And maybe, maybe it was a little bit like they should have edited it. They shouldn't have sent it right away. They should have sat on it and edited it, but they didn't. They sent it. She said her strategy mm -hmm. is to set up a face-to-face -face meeting with them and their child. And when they arrive in your office, hand them the, the, the printed out email that they wrote you and have them read it to you. <laughs> wow. And she said, usually um, the parents will not read the whole thing, they'll kind of skim it and skip over things and say, oh, well, I really didn't mean, you know, they'll, they'll gloss over it because they can't stand in that. And it's like you say, they want to be um, very aggressive toward your front desk person. Maybe they're a keyboard warrior, but when it comes to standing in front of their child and you, all of a sudden they're not that convicted. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. That's really I'm not good. usually gutsy enough to do that. <laughs> <Love that. laughs> even if you have the copy and you're like, so um, yes. I see that you're concerned about da -da 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 -da. Yep. let's mm -hmm. talk about that. And then just, yep. and it, it appears as if, you know, it, and it, and it's true. I mean, you're basically saying, let's make sure we don't miss any of your points. Let's right. go through I think them all so that you are completely heard. And let's address them all. So, well, that I think that's great. great. I love that. Yeah. So thanks for coming on the podcast, Hillary. It was so nice to chat with you. I hadn't seen you around lately. I know you've been super busy building new things in your enterprise. So um, it's good to catch up. Um, yeah, it's so great to see you. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun to chat with you ladies. I love what you're doing. So thanks for letting me be a part of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Before we go, we like to end on a high note. So Hillary, what is something that has made your heart happy in the last week or so? Well, probably two things. I just got back from a vacation with my family. And it was so fun to be able to have some time focusing just on my kids and my little family. Um, and then we came back and had our big company recital and oh, that, nice. and it was, 
so fun to have a little bit of normalcy Mm -hmm. and the feeling of just things are different this year. And the feeling of being able to see dancers perform on stage for an audience means so much more right now. And it, it was nice to come back, not as stressed from my vacation, feeling like my bucket was full with my family and then being able to have it a hundred percent full from my dancers was just wonderful. That's amazing. I am so jealous. I can't wait for the day we can perform on a stage in front of an audience. Was oh, great. It's going to be so beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Robin, what's your heart happy moment? Well, you reminded me, I was actually sitting here wondering what was my heart happy moment, but you reminded me a couple weeks ago, I got a call from our theater and they said that they are um, optimistic that we'll be able to have our spring show um, on our big stage. Maybe it'll look a little different instead of doing two shows for audiences of 500 each, we would have maybe three shows of 250 each or something like that. Um, so like you said, it uh, you, we've all been hanging in there and the goalpost keeps moving and we're all, you know, fingers crossed and hoping and praying. And it's still not a for sure yet, but it's nice to actually have him call me and say, it's looking good, so. That's great news. Oh my gosh. Wow. Um, Let's see my heart happy moment. Um, This new foster dog is just giving me so much love. She's such a sweetie. She loves giving kisses and snuggling and, and, you know, I've, I've had a few foster dogs and I always do a little bit of training with them. Um, but learning how to train a deaf dog has been really interesting. And I'm reading some books and found some online forums and just, it's a fun and new adventure. It's good that you have other interests outside of your work life. Right. Recently, my, um, office manager, Kathy said to me, you don't have any hobbies, Robin. (laughs) You only work. And I was like, it's true. Like if I had a Sunday with no plans, I would be like, let's work. Yeah. Maybe go to a restaurant, but um, I don't know if restaurants is considered a hobby. Um, Wine can be a hobby. Wine and restaurants. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) So I'm glad you have your dogs. (laughs) Thanks. Me too. All right. Well, Hillary, thank you again so much. It's been awesome to chat with you and learn about all the amazing things that you're doing. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and we will be back next week. Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye.